So Mike, we're back for part two of the Landlord Page podcast where we've got Liam from Roby Morris to talk about the renter's reform bill. I've read it so that you don't have to, but if you are struggling uh, with getting to sleep, it is, I find, a fantastic cure for insomnia. The dreaded bill that a lot of people have been waiting for that's expected to go through Parliament no later than March next year. I had released a podcast already talking about what I thought were the key points, but I think from a legal side, it's, it's probably best to hear from Liam himself that deals with the legal side day to day on what he thinks the key points are and what he feels will go through Parliament and probably will come into effect. So let's get stuck into it. Liam, welcome back for part two of the Landlord Page podcast. Um, thank you very much for coming back. But I thought it was a good opportunity to talk about the dreaded white paper that we've all uh, been waiting for that's expected to go through Parliament by March next year. A very horrible document, around 72 pages long, which I've seen. But uh, I can see that you've, well, from our conversation, you've unfor- had the unfortunate event of reading through it and going through the fine details. But I, I wonder if you could just share some information on this. Yeah, I've, I've read it so that you don't have to. But if you are struggling uh, with getting to sleep, it is, I find, a fantastic cure for insomnia. So this um, basically is a white paper that the government has produced. So basically what a white paper is, it's the government's proposals for reform, what it is that they're going to change, that they hope will eventually be basically codified and made into law, so legislation that will go through Parliament and um, and change things as, as they currently are. So the rent paper, for anyone who's interested in reading it, was produced in June 2022, and it's called A, a Fairer Private Rented Sector. And um, what it does is it sets out a shopping list of objectives that the, the government's interested in. Um, so there are basically five key bulleted points that the government thinks they should focus on. Um, and they're broadly this. So they think that tenants should have access to good quality, safe and secure housing, which I think is, is, is fair and reasonable. And certainly no one would argue with that. Um, tenants should be able to treat their house as their home and be empowered to challenge poor practices. So rogue landlords, people who aren't doing things that they should be doing. Um, all landlords should have information on how to comply with their responsibilities and be able to repossess their properties where it's necessary to do it. Um, landlords and tenants should be supported by a system that enables effective resolution and local authorities and councils also will have more effective enforcement tools to crack down on poor practices. Uh, so that's their shopping list. That's that's what they want to achieve. And they've given a number of points, a, a long list of things that they're going to, uh, that they're, they're planning on doing to deliver these aims. Um, so I'll jump through some of these if if you want me to. Um, I, I won't touch on all of them because I think some of them have already been scrapped. Um, but I think probably from a landlord perspective, the main ones that are going to be interest of interest are uh, what's going to happen to Section Twenty One because I've had the phone ring off the hook, and lots of tenants have said, "I need to I need to serve a Section Twenty One notice, and I need to do it immediately because the law's changing." And the first thing that I say to landlords is, well, the law hasn't changed yet. Where we are at the moment is it's it's currently being discussed that the law is is going to change. 
And the next question for the landlord then is, well, what is the reason why you want to serve a Section 21 notice? Are you serving it just because the law's changing or are you serving it because you're dissatisfied with the tenant? And quite often it's a case of, well, I don't know what's happening. I'm I'm unsure what's the change. I don't like change. <laughs> I don't like change. So I think I should um, I think I should serve notice, get get the tenant out of the property. And then I, when it happens, I can decide what to do. So when it happens seems to be the position that some landlords are quite happy to have an empty property because they're not sure what's going to happen next. So section 21 is, I think, really important and um, something a lot of people are interested in. Um, what the grounds for possession will be under a new regime, uh, I think that's an important one to touch on as well. And um, for most landlords, well, rent review, that's quite high on the on the list of the, uh, of the aims that the government's proposing to sort of drive through. So I thought I would talk about those things if, if you... Yeah, definitely. I think, like you say, go through the the key points of those ones in a bit more detail because it's important for those to know. And as you said, this is not official. It's still to be confirmed, but this is what's being proposed on that. And I think there's another important part to mention as well is um, with that case that you said about that landlord, regardless of it coming, if it come into effect next month, for example, which obviously it's not, but if it was, there's a two-phase process coming That's into right. effect. That's correct. So it could be two years before your existing tenancy will be affected by that anyway, depending on, obviously, which phase that falls under. Well, I think that probably segues nicely into Section 21 notices. So maybe I'll touch on that first because... Um, you mentioned basically how this is going to be implemented and that's one of the key things about this um, section 21 um, overhaul that they're talking about so what they're saying is that they want to move all tenants into a single system of periodic tenancies so um, no more will you have a 12-month tenancy that at the end of it you serve a section 21 notice if you want it back and the the tenant goes or you evict them if um, if they decide not to leave and um, the premise behind that is landlords are going to only really be able to evict a tenant in reasonable circumstances. So it gives a bit more assurance to tenants that they can set up a home, it will be theirs, there's only a limited number of reasons on for which they can be removed from the property. Um, So the white paper asserts, and this is a direct quote from it, removing Section 21 will level the playing field between landlord and tenant, empowering tenants to challenge poor practice and unjustified renting increases, as well as incentivizing landlords to engage and resolve issues. Um, What does that mean in practice? Um, Well, we'll get onto that because I'll talk about grounds for possession. It doesn't mean that this process going through means you're stuck with tenants for life and you can't possibly get rid of them. Um, What it typically means, I suppose, looking at it from this perspective, most landlords who come to me who want possession of their property want possession for a specific reason. So it might be that the tenant hasn't been paying rent or it might be that they're using the property in a way that they shouldn't be using it they're causing difficulty for neighbours, they're antisocial, all sorts of reasons. I don't think I've ever had a landlord who's come to me to say, well, I want possession of the property back just because I want it back. Um, Normally, there is a good reason for it. So yes, okay, it it probably does, it it will remove section 21, and it will remove the no fault provision for getting a, a tenancy back. But if you look at it from a practical practical perspective, if you're a if you're a landlord, 
why would you want your property back if you've got a good tenant in there who's using it properly and is paying the rent on time and they're really dependable, good tenants? There's probably no circumstances really in which you're why would you? You're going to want it. You're going to want it back. Um, they're they're using it in the way that they should. Uh, there are some circumstances where you certainly would, and I'll talk about that in a moment when I talk about the grounds for possession. But touching on the point that you raised, which was implementation. So again, another direct quote from the white paper. They the the white paper says they will allow time for a smooth transition to a new system. So that's going to be implemented in stages. There'll be a six-month uh, notice period for the first implementation date. And then their aim is that they're going to move all tenancies to the new system by a second implementation date. So if there are still landlords out there who are very, very nervous, when this is made into law, the current suggestion, and I, I, can't, I can only say it's a current suggestion because we don't know what the final um, piece of legislation is going to look like until it makes its way through parliament and the lords um if you're still very nervous and these things are, and this is made into law you will still have a an implementation an implementation date by which you can still use the old procedure so you can still use section 21 if you want to to get your to get your property back so it will still be available to you to do it the next thing that i was going to talk about was grounds for possession so the white paper says that these are going to be comprehensive, fair and efficient. And um, it, it doesn't mean you can't ever get your property back in any circumstances. What it's going to look like for anyone who uses Section 8 um, notices, it's going to be probably a wider Section 8. I think when we last spoke, I had an inkling that it was it was probably going to look like something like that. And I think that's I think that's certainly going to be the case. So they are going to introduce a new ground for landlords who wish to sell their property. So if something happens and you want to sell your property for any reason, you're not stuck with a tenant. You don't have to sell it with a tenant in situ. One of the grounds that's going to be available to you is I'm selling my home, so I need possession of my property back. And equally, there's going to be a ground for um, having possession of your property back if you've got close family members who want to move into the property and um, you need it for that purpose. Um, you're not going to be apparently in the white paper it says it's not going to be available for the first six months of a tenancy um, but it, it's available to you um, there'll be a new mandatory ground for repeated serious arrears um, and evictions are now going to be mandatory where a tenant has been given at least two months uh, arrears three times within the previous three years so it used to be or currently still is i say used to be that if a tenant's two months in arrears now and you serve your Section 8 notice, that's a mandatory ground for possession. But there was always the argument that a tenant could raise at the time of the hearing that if they paid those arrears before they got to the inside of the court, they could make the argument to the court that, well, they've paid it or there's a good reason why it happened and it won't happen again. And then the grounds become discretionary. So it's completely within the discretion of a judge as to whether or not they grant possession. So that's going to be changed. Uh, that's going to change. So if, if a tenant's been in arrears at least three times within the previous three years, that's going to be a mandatory ground for possession now, which gives landlords a bit more assurance that repeat offenders, people who aren't taking it seriously, people who aren't paying their rent are going to be accountable. You're going to be able to get your you're going to be able to get your possession back on that. And that's much more black and white, isn't it? That's much more black and white. That's currently there. Because as an agent, I always felt like I lived under the threat of receiving a pound by bank transfer 
to to keep themselves under two months in arrears and therefore in a discretionary ground so basically on the choice of the judge yeah. rather than on the definition i think it's i yeah i certainly think it, it it is quite helpful and i looking at it i'm i'm struggling to see circumstances from a landlord perspective where this is the end of the world so the the gentleman who phoned me and said we wanted to take possession because the law was hypothetically going to change it sometime. Do you think he was a Daily Mail reader? It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. I, I, can't, I can't say. But um, <laughs> yeah, he um, he was certainly panicking. And a lot of people have been panicking and, and quite desperate to get something, squeeze something through and get it done now. Um, and uh, I, I think probably there's not much cause for panic. And when we do know what this looks like, it, it's not a case of, well, this starts tomorrow. So if you've got a tenant in, and you don't like what you're seeing, tough luck, you're stuck with it now. There's going to be a period of time that will enable you if you decide, well, this is not something I want to to do anymore, where you can you can take action and get the property back. The one thing about the Section 8 notice that, that got me a little bit is they, uh, obviously it's there to work in fairer for both tenants uh, and landlords, I suppose, uh, to a certain extent, but it's more to make sure obviously the properties are given in a better state, looked after, and yeah. a bit more security for tenants. But the Section 8 notice for eviction, that's going to increase. So you fall into two months' arrears, but rather than two yeah. weeks' notice, that's going to change to four weeks' notice? Yeah, there's a new notice period of four weeks before commencement of a claim where there are um, where there are arrears. It is currently two weeks, um, but it's going to move to four. I mean, that, that I think that probably is a little bit unfair, Um raising the time scale on that because you know quite often and is typical that i see you don't get landlords who who uh, are instructing me because the tenants one day late with their arrears they're typically coming to see me because many months have gone by they've been given assurances it hasn't materialized into a payment and um, they want to do something to get their property back um, being able to say to a tenant there are options for you. There's section 21. If if we've reached the end of the term, you can serve one of those and wait two months and it's mandatory. Or if you want to, we can try and expedite it and we can we can do something after two weeks is, um, I think, something that's, that's probably quite fair where there's arrears. And quite often landlords, are they're not... Um, quite a few that I've come across are not necessarily flush with cash. They're they've got mortgages on these properties that they have to pay and they've got other houses that they're living in so they're paying their own mortgage and they're paying the mortgage on the property that they were depending on the rent for to to cover that and their costs are now going up exactly. as well. exactly so and the costs are going up as well and interest rates are going to rise and yeah it, we're, it's it's going to be a, a more tricky situation so you know, waiting for four weeks before commencing a claim instead of two um i'm not sure i see the reason in that but it's if it goes through that's that's what it is that's that's it's still better than waiting for two months and um it's uh, we'll just have to see what it looks like i think the final thing that i wanted to talk about of of the main points was rent review um and the white paper is basically proposing that changes in rent should be predictable for tenants which i think is is fair enough you may get some landlords who change the rent very frequently and tenants don't know where they are or how to properly plan their finances if their rent is changing frequently. So what's proposed in the white paper now is that a landlord's only going to be permitted to increase rent once per year. And um, 
basically the in, it will increase the minimum notice landlords are going to have to also provide of any change in rent to two months so if you're planning on doing it you've got to give your tenant some notice and two months of it now it's going to end the use of rent review clauses so that's going to prevent tenants from being locked into automatic rent increases that are sometimes vague and don't reflect changes in in the marketplace and um it's going to introduce a system as well. Well, this is what this is what the white paper says. So I don't know how much of this we'll get through, but it says where increases are disproportionate, tenants are also going to have uh, the ability to challenge it in the first tier uh, tribunal, uh, which would make sense as well. Um, tenants are also going to be able to seek repayment orders for um, inverted commas non decent uh, homes. So basically, the uh, it, it's it's not a new concept, non-decent homes, but basically the government's drive is to make sure that more um, tenants are living in housing that's fit for its purpose. It's you, We've seen that's not a new thing. We've seen the Deregulation Act come in, which has um, put in place a lot of things that landlords have to do, and all of it, for the most part, is common sense. So gas safe, electrical safe, um, carbon monoxide, um, all of those sorts of things, energy performance, so that people uh, renting a property can see how efficient it is. They've got an idea of how much it's going to cost to heat it, light it. When you know how efficient a property is, it's it's a benefit for, for a tenant to, to know and understand that. So these are all going to be things that tenants can seek repayment for if you end up renting a hellhole that's not fit for you living. And it's, it would be unfair to have to pay a, a, a huge premium for living on in something that's not fit for purpose. And um, there's the next proposal is a 60-day breathing space period where interest fees and charges are frozen and also enforcement action as well um, can be paused while tenants can receive some advice. So all of these things, I think, are probably sensible things. If you plan it properly as a landlord, it's not going to be overly onerous on you to say, well, this is the rent for this year. This is what I expect and um, review it again in a year's time. It's really designed to catch out the the sort of landlord who is um, taking advantage of a situation or maybe trying to exert some sort of undue influence, perhaps trying to force a tenant out. They might have a better prospect and think, well, if I just keep putting the rent up and increasing it unfairly, this tenant will vote with their their feet. So um, I think there's I think there's probably good reason for those things, and I think uh, it, it's probably positive reform. Yeah, and summarising on it. I can't think of a single time where I've had a landlord contact me asking me to rise, raise the rent twice in a year in nearly 20 years of being, being a landlord's letting agent. I can't remember it ever happening. Maybe it's because we work in a reasonably middle-class, well-heeled, morally sound part of the country. I don't know. Maybe there are parts of the country where that is a thing. Um, but you've not shocked me or worried me. Maybe it's your uh, calm, soothing voice um, with any of those facts or, or proposals of, of anything that's going to happen. Because the only time a landlord really, really wants to turf out a tenant is right now, right here, right now, is to sell a property. Yep. That's that's the biggest reason for a landlord asking a tenant to leave is to sell. And the new legislation is going to allow a landlord to still do that. And as you say, behind that is a lot of landlords will buy a buy-to-let property because they have an ulterior motive like moving family into it. And we've mentioned that 
And then behind that, the rare occasions when there's rent arrears or mistreatment of a property. So reasonably, that's about 98% of reasons why a landlord will will terminate a tenancy, in my opinion. Well, I've, I've never had, whilst I've been practicing law, a landlord contact me to say they want their property back just for sport. I just want it yeah. empty. <laughs> just want it empty, except, <laughs> except for the person panicking because the law might change. So that, that's really the only circumstance where, where I've, I think that's just I've seen to, that. That's more down to education. She doesn't know what, she clearly didn't have a clear yeah. understanding of that. I think what, it's what probably, the, yeah, just fear of the unknown yeah. probably more than anything else. And um, yeah, uh, once you understand that what's coming isn't there yet, it may not look in any way, well, I think it will look uh, probably very close to what's being proposed, but we don't know that yet for, for certain what it's going to be. And um, these things never tend to happen immediately. It's never tomorrow morning the law on this is changing and um, tough nuts. It's, well, there's going to be that um, that period of time where it gets implemented. I was going to say, that's the $64,000 question I want to ask really with the political infighting and situation in the country at the moment as we stand can you put a time scale on this kind of thing is it likely to happen within the march next year that they're hoping or is it likely to get shelved and the can kicked down the road that's the plan the plan is that it's going to happen very soon and by march next year but whether it actually does happen remains to be seen i know it's being discussed and um, we'll just have to wait and see. Unfortunately, um, quite often that's 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 all we can do. Well, I think the tenant fee ban was a prime example. They were talking about that for years, and look how long it took before it come into effect. Mm. Good few years, probably two years, maybe longer. So, if it's anything like that, we're looking at a couple of years down the line. Although I did read that a majority of people from the government were pushing for this legislation to come into effect. So. Um, regardless of who obviously runs the government moving forward, this will pretty much come into effect. Just what proposals are there yeah, will, will only change slightly. It's what makes it into the the final version of it yeah. and, and how it's implemented that we're interested to see. So um, perhaps I'll have a further update for you when it, when it, when it passes. Definitely, we're certainly like that. I did yeah. have one question to throw you off guard a little bit, which we haven't discussed, and it's something that... I get questioned quite a lot of the time and it's about pets. So yep. there was talks in, in the um, in the article about providing a valid reason to why pets can't be considered within a property. Yeah. How would they enforce that? Does, is that what they're saying is from how I read it is if they can't, they have to provide a valid reason that they can't accept a pet. So if you've got a, a family home with a garden, yeah, what's the reason to not allow someone to have a pet in that property? Well, but there, there probably wouldn't be a good reason for not allowing a pet in that property. So what the white paper is it's basically saying in this, in the 12 point plan that they've got in there, and one of the, one of the 12 points has been already shelved, but right to request a pet is in there. So it says a landlord must consider and cannot unreasonably refuse this. But it does say as part of this, landlords may be able to require pet insurance to cover damage. So, it probably isn't a really good reason to say, well, it's a top-notch property that I'm letting to you and the carpets are lovely and the sofas are lovely and for that reason I don't think I'm going to allow you to have a pet. If the insurance is there to cover any possible damage for that, well, it's, it's not a good reason. 
anymore to say, well, no, I'm not, not going to let you have that. So um, it will be interesting to see um, how that's interpreted. I'm sure there will be many cases over it over the year. If, if it's as woolly as this, if what we get in the final piece of legislation is unreasonably refused, well, then that's a question for interpretation in each individual case. So a judge will look at um, a question like that and have to decide having regard to all of the factors, well, what is reasonable and what is unreasonable. Which is which is unique in every single it's case. In every single case. So if, if yeah. I'm a landlord letting out my family home for two years, but I'm allergic to cat hair, yeah. reasonably I would say no cats in my property because I have an intention to come home and my reasonable reason is is I'm allergic to it yeah. and therefore it will cause damage the property that I can't really revoke without ripping out the carpets unless a yeah unless a tenant can demonstrate I suppose in those in those circumstances they can hand it back to you and it's going to be in as good a condition as before and you're not going to have a sneezing fit the moment you walk through the door and that might be a good reason it will be interesting to see how it's dealt with these sorts of things really evolve over time as, as case as cases are heard and decisions are made and before long you have a bank of cases where in one case it's deemed reasonable to do x y or z and in another case it's not and we will eventually use those precedents that are set in the case law as the basis for our arguments as to what is reasonable and, and what isn't and i suppose the interesting part for anything like this is we don't know what that looks like yet um we've we've got to look at each case on its own merits and decide whether or not um, a reason for refusing it's a, a reasonable one or not so it should be quite interesting no brilliant i really appreciate your time liam and um, thank you for summarizing of the renters reform bill but as you said there's nothing too scary in there uh, yeah. it, nothing too frightening said. if anyone is interested in reading it it's, it's a lengthy document there's a lot more in in it there's all sorts of things that are being proposed that um are practical and and useful things um those really are the main things that i think are going to impact for um for landlords or the main things that that i've been asked about that um that people are interested in so i hope that's of use to your listeners so i'd certainly like to get you back in or when it comes into effect and we can go into the fine details of the final absolutely um, final paper um hopefully but um i'm sure the listeners have found this very useful and if uh, anyone wants to get a hold of you directly, what's the best way to contact you? You can contact Robry Morris Solicitors, um, uh, come through to the main reception um, and um, yeah, ask to speak to, to, to me and I'll be um, happy to help. Well, thank you very much for your time. And as ever, if anyone has any questions for myself, Mike or Liam, then send us a DM on our socials, which is at the Landlord Page Podcast yeah. or Liam directly on the details and we'll add it in the description as well. Yeah, but thank you for your time. I'm happy for you to do that. Thanks very much. Okay, Tristan. We've been into detail about the renters' reform bill. Liam's read the 72-page guide, so I didn't have to. So I'm really pleased with that. And I'll be keeping this episode and looking back on it to see whether it comes out that way or whether it gets slightly watered down. But I think Liam spoke an awful lot of sense, and I feel much more comfortable about what's around the corner. What about yourself? Yeah, I think the reassurance from his side that the changes are actually in a lot of people's interest, especially around the repossession side of things. So people are a bit concerned on this. Um, but I don't think there's anything to worry about. There's a few bits that was within the original document that are no longer there from what he said. Um, and remember, it's it's just discussion at this point. It's not official and it may change again come the time it goes through Parliament. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. And I think we should get definitely getting back for part three 
when the documents officially confirmed uh, to go through what the final changes are. But yeah, definitely a bit of reassurance from my side. So again, a big, big thank you for Liam from Robry Morris Solicitors for taking the time to join us and get the explanations and taking the time to read a 72-page white paper for us and for our listeners and watchers. As ever, if you've got any questions, if you're suffering any of the issues that Liam went through, obviously feel free to contact Liam and he'll give you his best advice. If we can ever help, you know where we are on the socials on at the landlord page until next time tristan thanks again i'm flicking through youtube and through spotify i don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on youtube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something i mean it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question but why not ask that question to a wider audience they just have the knowledge there but they don't seem to share it you can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio the rules change every year yeah but why not just open the floor out and just say well is property even the best investment out there and tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.